0: Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I'm your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today, I thought it might be fun for us to start off talking about how um, the way of the world used to be, we did everything for ourselves, and yeah. now it feels like we're more and more Uh, paying other people to do things for us.
1: No doubt about it. We live in a professional world. Yeah. And I've watched that in my lifetime. So um, I'm a baby boomer. My parents are from the builder generation. My mom and dad grew up during the great depression and world war II, So they did everything for, I mean, duct tape, hammer, just put it together. My dad cannot believe, or he passed away recently, but he could not believe. That I paid somebody to change the oil in my car or mow my lawn or, or you know, why would you do that? Yeah. You know? Now, and he learned that we could, and many yeah. Americans do, it's not just for the rich necessarily, but yeah. we are in a day where we pay for somebody to dry clean our clothes, change the oil in our car, yep. get this food for DoorDash. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, it's everywhere. Which
0: DoorDash is a great example of something I got curious about because we started this conversation. And I was wondering, like, what are some of the strangest most unusual things that you can pay somebody yeah. to do these days and of course we all got super used to during the pandemic ordering DoorDash yep. i had groceries delivered right to my front door but there's other stuff too okay so this is some of the things okay, i get give, give, give to so one is you can pay somebody to unfollow your uninteresting twitter accounts you're kidding me yeah so they they quote you 28 38 bucks somewhere in there and, and basically someone will get log into your account and unfollow the uh, accounts that you no longer need to follow. Of course, you're trying to get to where you have more people following you than you're following. But uh, somebody reported that they had had uh, 22,000 follows unfollowed thanks to this wow. service, which is wow. funny. Uh, there That's was another crazy. one that will actually sell
1: your stuff on craigslist so you could pay somebody okay. else to list it and sell it and get rid of it so the whole point of craigslist is i don't want to do i i'm, I'm going to sell this but now i'm not even going to sell this i'm yes. going to have somebody else sell this a, a yeah. further layer removed yeah that's this right. is my favorite
0: one though and i think several people after listening to this are going to go check this out is you can actually pay somebody to assemble your ikea furniture oh because ikea always some assembly
1: required yeah
0: and it's always complicated that's right so you pay like 45 bucks okay and uh, there's a service called TaskRabbit that actually does yeah. a lot of different yeah. services but one of their most famous services is you buy the IKEA furniture we'll put it together for you. This uh, is the day we live in. Indeed it is. So th- this is just another reminder to us that our students are growing up in this world, right? Yeah. Your father couldn't believe yeah. you would pay somebody to change your oil. Today I think the students the normalization of students getting other people to doing do things yeah. for them or expect that something's going to happen from the outside is just growing like crazy.
1: So some of this is a cultural evolution that we need not get angry at, but some of it is something that I think is a misstep on our part as adult leaders who lead the next generation. And that's really where I'd like to camp out on today. So there's a really interesting term for this
0: conversation. It came out several years ago, but we want to kind of bring it back up to the light to sort of deal with it. So talk to us about that term. Well,
1: I heard the term in 1989 first. I think it came out long before that. But I heard it in 89, so over 30 years ago. And the term is the Cinderella syndrome. Uh, this complex refers to a psychological condition in which a woman may fear true independence uh, and secretly expects this knight in shining armor uh, to swoop yeah. in yeah. and save the day. Uh, Prince Charming. Yeah, uh, think, think Prince Charming. Okay. Exactly. Um, and, and we need him to come alongside. Now, in this day of women's, uh, you know, Me Too and other things, women are feeling very empowered and saying, I don't need a Prince Charming. But there's many students, male and female, yeah. that are expecting someone, an adult, a teacher, a coach, a parent, to to take care of this. Now, there was a book by this title, Andrew. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Agatha Christie uh, did a murder mystery where she talks about this syndrome, but the book came out later by Colette Dowling, where she gave this condition worldwide attention, mm. and it was mostly directed at females needing someone, i.e. a male, to do this, but today we want to apply it to a bigger a bigger audience.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, uh, definitely want to double click on the idea that we're not just talking about females here. I think today we're talking about a generation of kids who just like Cinderella awaits her Prince Charming to come and rescue her are sort of sitting back and laying back, which seems ironic, doesn't it? Because they're growing up in a world that has information and empowerment at their
1: fingertips. They have a smartphone in their hand.
0: Absolutely. And yet I talk to so many teachers and other leaders who are like, why is it they keep asking questions that Google yeah. could give them the answer to in 10 yeah. seconds, and it just seems to be this really interesting scenario that we find ourselves in.
1: So in our work, as we partner with schools and other organizations, many teachers who, by the way, love their students will say, yeah, they're expecting someone to come in and rescue them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're waiting for the white horse and the rich resources to come yeah. in, which might be mom or dad. Yeah, uh, they're fantasizing about the glass slipper fitting, if you will, a relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm on Tinder. I'm going to swipe, swipe yep. until It'll I find this. It'll all work out. Yeah, yeah. So we really think that um, we need to take a step to make sure that we're both resourcing the next generation as we need to to be ready for life but not rescuing. Yeah. So there's a difference between, be, between resourcing and rescuing. So let me just kind of, if you don't mind, lay a platform for where we want to go with this, and then we can jump into the details. Okay. So obviously the concept that we're talking about here is not limited to romantic yes. relationships, yeah. nor, as you said, Andrew, not limited to females. Um, it's much larger than that. In fact, it's relevant for millions of teens and young adults in Generation Z who've been given the expectation that life should be pleasant mm-hmm. all the time, you yep. know, rewarding, yep. and maybe even fun each day. Um, I think nearly eight in 10 young employees said work should be fun. And by the way, I tend to agree. <laughs> I think it should be too, but that's a lot of people yeah. that, where did you get this idea? Somehow we've built this fantasy that it should all be, should be fun. So, and when it's not, someone should swoop in and make it fun or yeah, make it pleasant, yeah. you know, um, Make it better, if you will. So very often, parents, for instance, will accidentally relay this message as they attempt to shield their children from harsh realities of the world around them. Uh, and as parents, we attempt to shelter them from negativity. Mm-hmm. So we pull, a, you know, pull them away from this, that, or the other. Um, we're careful about what content they watch or hear. We take them to Disneyland or Walt Disney World on a regular basis. I mean, we tried to get our kids down there. Yeah. Um, perhaps we want to give them a childhood that we never had. So part of our rescuing is we just don't want you to go through what I went through. It was harder back in the day. Now, none of these gestures are wrong. In fact, they're quite noble, I think, for those who hope to prevent kids from becoming jaded as teenagers. Uh, But the downside is we create unrealistic assumptions about life when they're kids, mm-hmm. and once they graduate into an adult world, they can feel like life has been terribly unfair. And we go, no, it, no, it's not unfair. Well, you gave me a, the idea, mom or yeah. dad, that it was yeah. unfair because it's not happily ever after. I got married and, and it was hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It is hard. It, you know and yeah. I got a good wife. but yeah. So we all know these expectations are not sustainable. So listeners, I hope you catch what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with wanting to shield children from from the things that would make them not feel innocent and trusting but sooner or later we need to expose them to the real world yeah ready for real life we say it around growing leaders yeah and uh, that means we're going to have to slowly engage them with yeah it's it's hard life is is hard yeah 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 I think we make this um this
0: assumption in the world that the goal of life is to be happy right yeah. right and so when an adult um, gives the a, a student, whether that's a parent to a child or a teacher to a student, when they give them the directive, follow these directions yeah. and it'll all work out. I think the implication, what we're unwittingly saying to them yeah. is on the other side of following all those directions, you're going to be happy, right? Yeah. We forget to mention that it's a lot of work, even yeah. once you get past high school, even once you put in the work and get yeah. straight A's in college, that doesn't mean life gets um, yeah. simple all of a sudden. And it really is, it's sort of the inadvertent message we often
1: send by not giving yeah. them that exposure. When I talk to parents, it's very common to hear a parent of a young adult say, I just want my kids to be happy. Yeah, It's a normal thing to say. Yeah, But oftentimes when we say that, we unwittingly project the idea and we are pursuing happiness. Isn't that in some of our early American documents? Yeah. The pursuit of happiness. I think when you pursue happiness, it's elusive. Yeah. Happiness sneaks up on you as a byproduct of meaning. Yeah. uh, Doing something meaningful, sacrificing, and serving. Yeah. And I know that sounds cliche and pithy, but pursuing happiness makes it, oh, really elusive. Yeah. So the assumption that I'm trying to fight, and I think many, many young people have this, is. Life should be fun and so forth. And so let me just make some statements, okay? okay. Listeners, check this out. I have found, even though I think my life has been pretty good, that even when we're working in the area of our strengths, work can be hard. Yeah. Even when we're in a loving family, relationships can be challenging. Yeah. Okay, we got Uncle Bob over there or whatever, (laughs) or our daughter or son maybe. Yeah. Uh, Even when we're making a good income, We may not get all we hoped for. Yeah. Even when we enjoy great friendships, life can be dissatisfying at times. Yeah. It's not always meaningful, fulfilling, and full of goosebumps. Um, Even when we found a complimentary partner, there can be big conflicts. Even when we choose the perfect spot for a vacation, it can turn out imperfect, even in Hawaii. Yeah. And then, I don't know, even when we're living a great life, it may not be happy or pleasing all the time. Now, everybody listening is nodding yes. You're nodding yes mm-hmm, to this. Yeah. But somehow our kids get the idea from us, we didn't mean to say this, and they feel it's unfair, and they get angry. Mm-hmm. There's a quiet, suppressed yeah. anger that can turn into low-grade depression. Yeah. Uh, When they didn't get the right idea about life, even at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old.
0: Yeah. So often I feel like the kids are the underlying statement is, but you told me that, you know, Uh, and they're sending that message. And, and uh, yeah, maybe we're looking back over our work and going, when did we tell you that? Yeah,
1: And the answer is in the decisions we made. That's exactly right. You know what I don't like? I'm going to tell you what I don't like. Please do. Yeah. Uh, I, I watch, Pam and I will watch movies as you do. And very, very often a common phrase, almost every movie, someone makes the phrase, you promise? I promise. And mm. I go, that's a promise you don't, you don't have control of. Yeah. You know, a dad, are we going to be okay? Tornado, are we going to be, I promise we're going to be okay. You don't know that. Yeah. Now, the reason I'm saying that is we're making statements we do not have control of, and that's troublesome for the receiver, the child, the young employee, the student athlete, the student in our classroom. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, if you don't mind, let me tell a quick story that kind of illustrates what we're trying to say. Yeah, please do it. Um, I recently had a candid conversation with Emerson, high school senior, okay? She confided in me that she was feeling a a bit helpless and even a little depressed. Yeah. So I guess she would call it, I'm putting this word in her mouth now, but probably a low-grade depression, not Mm -hmm. a disorder, but a low-grade depression. And she had good reason. Like millions of others like her, she wasn't prepared for a pandemic right before graduation. Yeah. Who who would have thought? Who could have prepared? Yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't ready for an economic downturn or for the cancellation of her internship, which we saw for two years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing seemed to be working out as she had planned. So after trying to empathize with her, our conversation morphed into one about assumptions. Yeah. And you know, I... Try to teach my way through everything. So bless her heart. She was the recipient of <laughs> Professor Elmore now trying to explain. You can't help it. That's right. I can't help myself. So life always throws its curveballs. And I, and I talked about my curveballs that I had thrown at me. Uh, and Emerson felt no one had really prepared her for the curveballs. Mm. So I shared him, She goes, yeah, I get that. Not, not, not a newsflash, but nobody ever told me until now here at Starbucks. So um, her parents had protected her from every adversity Uh, for, you know, adverse shock that might come her way. And sadly, there were unintended consequences. Emerson is now abruptly facing this reality. And my point in this podcast, Andrew, is to say, we can slowly ease them into reality. We don't have to abruptly, like a a bucket of ice water. Yeah. Life sucks. It's awful. It's just terrible. Yeah. And they're five, you know, (laughs) it's your (laughs) birthday, you know, but over time we can say, yeah, sweetheart, it's, it's, yeah. It is hard. Mm. So David Drew is a friend of mine, and he's been helping me research this next book I'm working on. But he made a statement that has stuck with me. He's the first one that said this statement. It's hard to get disillusioned unless we've first been illusioned. Yeah. Meaning, someone gave me an illusion that. People should always be nice. They should hold the door open for you. Church people are great, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever. And you go, no, no, it's they're not always nice, yeah. you know? But it's an illusion. And I think we've got to remove the illusions. I'm not a jaded pessimist. I'm just saying this is actually good news. Yeah. If we ease them into it, by 18, they're off to college when it's really hard, and there's a whole lot of special graduates that show up there. We, they go, you know what? Mom and dad warned me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be with some other smarty pants, just like me. And and it's it's a little hard here. So Emerson is my illustration. I so believe we need to help the Emersons of life get through this well.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of students who are in that similar place. So maybe uh, Emerson can stand sort of as a symbol of all yeah. the students that you're working with who are right now going through a lot of the same things. Yeah. In fact, I would wonder if you could bring up this conversation of Cinderella syndrome yeah. with a student that you're leading and just yes. ask them, "Did you have you felt yeah. that way recently? Yeah. I
1: think we'd be shocked at yeah. how many students have been going through this. I think so too. And I think a second question might be, do you find yourself subconsciously wishing someone would come in and save the day? Yeah. You know, now that's normal. Sometimes I, I need, sometimes I need you to save the day when my computer goes awry. <laughs> but, but, but if that's a pattern, that's not good. Yeah. So one of my top 10 books of all time was psychiatrist M. Scott Peck, who wrote the book, uh, The Road Less Traveled. Mm. Here's the opening paragraph of his book. Scott Peck said, life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. His point is, awareness is key. Yeah. If I don't expect it to be easy, it's not quite as hard as you know what you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So this is what we owe the next generation, whether we're teachers, coaches, parents, employers, we've got to do this. We combat apathy and disillusionment with this truth yep. that it never was supposed to be easy. Yeah. And that's a, an illusion yep. from you know the animated movie you saw when you were six years old. <laughs> yeah, you know back and, in the day, as well as the conversation you
0: had with your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think we are so obsessed today in our world with progress and speed and convenience and yeah. all of those things that we we forget yeah. that this truth is always going to be with us. Yeah, no matter how far we progress, life is not going to stop being difficult. Yeah. The challenges are still going to come. Yeah. So uh, the expectation that at some point we're going to uh, progress our way to not having to yeah. deal with hard things anymore is yeah. just not
1: true. Yeah. And this season of the pandemic has proven that to us, if nothing else. Well, maybe that was the big, big uh, takeaway when we look back 20 years from now. We do live in a world of speed and convenience and entertainment. And, you know, it, it, life is, it, I would say this, life has never been harder. Life's never been easier. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. You can tweet that if yeah. you like. Okay. like. <laughs> so, uh, but but because of that, we need to be very intentional in our leadership so kids don't get the impression. It should be a quick uh, Google reflex that we get the answer we want, on demand, instant access. Um, So... Anyway, I think we do our kids a favor as parents, teachers, guardians, coaches, youth workers, or employers to talk about the Cinderella Sun. Yeah. Now, we promised our listeners, I'll let you set this up, but we want to offer some ideas. Absolutely. So, yeah, the title says seven, Tim,
0: so we got to deliver on okay. seven. But uh, I know that you are constantly thinking about this, and we want to be as practical as possible. If we're going to start, um, I'm imagining a mom who has maybe a 16-year-old in their household, yeah. and right now that mom is thinking, what? okay, I have definitely done this. What yeah. do I do to sort of write the ship? Maybe the teachers are thinking that. Anybody yeah. who's out there who's asking, what can we do to start to point this mm-hmm. in another direction? Give us some advice, seven
1: ideas yeah. on how we might uh, start to okay. shift things. Some of these are very intuitional, but um, let me just go. Number one, uh, I think one idea that would be helpful if you're engaging with a young person is to make sure you give them a chance to lose or to fail and to talk about it. So don't remove the consequences of a poor decision. That reveals quickly revealed in my life when I was a teenager, when Mm -hmm. I made a really bad choice about a job I took Mm -hmm. that wasn't right for me. And I remember mom and dad didn't rescue me. They let me fail with the job. I actually got let go, which was not fun, Yeah. but they talked to me about it. Yeah. my dad's, boy, unemployment, you know, unemployment, tough thing. Same with athletics, right? No doubt. Get cut from the team. Don't rush in and say, coach, let him, let her, you know, and you start talking them into it. I think we need to let um, the blessings and consequences of decisions fall where they may. That's great. Number two expose them to your own struggles or failures as an adult. It's great. Um, I just mentioned my job firing. I remember sharing this with my son. This would have been a couple of years ago, but um, he took on a job and was so embarrassed when the first week, he, it just wasn't a job that fit him. He's yeah. very smart. You know, Jonathan, mm-hmm. but it just didn't fit him. And um, I think he was quite embarrassed to share with dad. Um, and my wife, Pam said, you know, Jonathan, The job didn't work out. And I think he, so I called him and we talked and I said, Jonathan, the first thing I want to say, do you know the wing nut foul tip bonehead (laughs) thing I did? And he's doing just what you did. He started laughing. And I think it just put him at ease. Yeah. Okay. Dad, I feel like you've made it. And if you flunked on something, maybe there's hope for me. You know, that just goes, okay. That's great. Number three, model a calm demeanor when facing hardships, show kids that hardships are normal. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, this is the flight attendant factor. Yeah. The flight attendant, stay calm, serving the Diet Coke, even when in turbulence, that's what we need to do as well. Yeah. So uh, don't, don't underestimate the power of just staying calm when they're going through a hard times. Cause even if they're not saying anything, they look at you and they go, huh, she's calm. He's calm. I guess, even though I'm all riled up I eventually calmed down and I go, and they were calm the whole time. Okay, I can be calm the whole time.
0: Yeah, and this is not the parent, as you said earlier, who's saying, I promise everything will be fine. It's them going, this is a tough situation. Mm
1: -hmm. We're going to work on this. We got it. We can do this. Exactly right. Number four, once a week, discuss a tough reality about life and how they can navigate through it. Mm. So we would often do this at mealtime. We would try to find a number of meals every week, not every meal, but a number of meals meals where we ate together. I believe that's so big in Mm -hmm. keeping families strong. We would pick a tough topic. And um, along the way, I'm just telling you, it was good for them if nothing, even if they just listened to their mother and I talking about it, it was good for them to go, okay, mom and dad go, this is normal for them. We live in a home. They pay a mortgage. In fact, they pay all the bills the last time I checked, and they're still struggling with hard things. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is good. That's great. All right. Number, um, number five, teach them to be resourceful problem solvers, not damsels in distress. Yeah. So in other words, look into themselves, not to others. Once in a while, we do need help for sure. And the younger the child, the more help they're going to need. But over time, if we're not building resourceful, resilient problem solvers, it's our bad more than theirs. And they're the victims of our bad leadership. (laughs) So we need to teach them, which means we may not rescue them when they forget the backpack, the permission slip, the gym shorts, the science project. Yes. Everybody get my my, uh, drift here? Okay. (laughs) All right. Number six, gradually ensure they experience both positive and not so positive realities. That means... We don't go to Disneyland every time they ask. We don't get the iPhone maybe the first uh, time it yeah, comes out. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's you're cursed if you do that. I'm just saying let life happen. I think good leadership in the classroom, the sporting field, or the home is a combination of intentional and laissez-faire. Hmm. I'm intentional about what I want you to get, which means I'm laissez-faire, and you did skin your knee, and I didn't rush in and you know, save the day. You fell off your bike, but I gave you a Band-Aid and we got back up on the bike. All those things. I think people are listening and going, yeah, I agree with that. But you'd be amazed how many millions of parents never let their child experience the not so positive realities. Mm. And then finally, number seven, the last idea is communicate, 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 communicate. That life is not fun or fair much of the time, no. <laughs> which makes the highlights even more high. Yeah, because it's not every day. Yeah, you know, uh, I just think that's important. Mm. I feel like
0: this uh, today's podcast is like uh, learning to be a pessimist with Tim yeah. Elmore. You know. <laughs> That's right, and proud of it. But we would say, realist. We're learning to be a realist, yeah. right? Yeah. This is such good stuff, Tim. This is exactly, I think, the conversations that we need to have. Maybe not um, all the time, and not with yeah. every student. There's so many students out there who who are getting, it. who yeah. are really getting, it. and they feel maybe depressed because of yeah. how much they're getting it. Yeah. And maybe that message needs to be about hope and all those yes. things. But I think there are far too many of our students who are in this yeah. position, and this is
1: exactly the kind of messages they need to we hear. We must fight the Cinderella syndrome. So one school that we both became aware of. It's posted a sign in its lobby, and I love this sign. Our students are deserving of everything mm. and entitled to nothing. Love it. I'm gonna say it again. Our students are deserving of everything. I believe that. The opportunity for everything yep. and entitled to none of those. Opportunities. So you earn it. You earn yeah. it. And I just think that's so no Prince Charming. If Prince comes in, hallelujah. But if he doesn't, I wasn't counting on him anyway. We're gonna do this on our own. I love it. Well, one of the things we talked about as a
0: way to end our our, yeah. our time together is uh, actually for you to bring up some of our tool that we have called Habitudes. Yeah. We have several Habitudes that speak to the messages that students need to be receiving in this moment in their life yeah. uh, to kind of give them maybe a more grounded idea of what life is really like. Yeah. And I know you wanted to run through a couple of those. We'll talk I'll about how quick. people can yeah. use
1: them after afterwards, but yeah, do that first. Okay. Yeah. Three images, folks, three metaphors, if you will. These are called Habitudes. You can call them whatever you want to, but Great conversations to have. The first one was when I started with my own two kids, and it's simply called Drivers Not Passengers. Mm-hmm. So, when we're in a car, depending on where you sit in that car, depends on your mindset. Yeah. Okay? If you're behind the wheel, you're thinking about getting where you're going. Yeah. In fact, it's up to me to turn the car, turn the wheel, push the brake. You you get the point. You've yeah, driven a car. I've done okay. that. Yeah. If you're a passenger in the back seat, man, you may be a backseat driver, but most of the time you're chewing on licorice and playing your playlist from Spotify or whatever. You're not even, you're just counting on somebody else. Is this true about life? We're either drivers or passengers in life. We're either counting on someone else to get us to our destination. And then we're mad when we didn't get the outcome we wanted. Or we say, you know what? It's up to me. If it is to be, it's up to me. Be a driver, not a passenger we own the journey you're on. Love it. The second one is one from our Habitudes for Career Ready Students Mm -hmm. um, or New Professionals. We have different courses. This one's called Early Birds or Mocking (laughs) Birds. So we've all heard about these birds. I know it makes it... We have to smile when we say this, but we've heard these two terms and both terms mean something. They are birds, but they mean something. The Mockingbird we use that term, uh, it's a mockingbird its name by it. It mocks the sounds of other birds. It can, it can imitate the, the robin or the crow or whatever. Uh, and it imitates. Okay. The early bird, it may imitate, but it's, it's called the early bird because it's the first one in, you know, it's, it's catching the worm. Isn't Mm -hmm. that that how the phrase goes? So we want to, uh, encourage students be the early bird. I will never forget when an intern who started working here a decade ago, approached me after the first week on the job and said, Dr. Tim, could I have a key to the office? And I thought, that's pretty uh, that's audacious. Bold. Yeah. You know. Why? Would... And then he explained and sold me. He said, well, I love what I'm doing here. I just want to get here early, maybe before anybody else gets here. And I, I have to wait out in my car and I can't get my work. To... Could I get a key? Oh, I will go get you a key <laughs> yeah, right now. Um, you can you know? have mine. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. So early bird, not mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, don't imitate, initiate. And then the last one is... Host, not guest. I've just noticed in almost every conversation and almost every relationship, there tends to be someone that slips into the guest mode. They're receiving the initiator of the conversation. And then there's the host that kind of initiates the conversation. I just think it's wise to go into relationship thinking, I'll initiate. And then if they're high and excited, then I'll receive, I'll yeah. listen. But I just think it's great. It's a posture. It's, it's great in our marriages. Yeah. It's great with our kids. It's yeah. great with our students. So be a host, not a guest. Focus on others, not yourself.
0: Love it, I love it. Um, last week, Tim, you told me a story, and I think this might be a really good way to close, okay. uh, of a little girl yeah. who um, embodied the very spirit yeah. that we hope to see all of our students embody. So I wonder if you might just share that final story with us.
1: Yeah, well, this, this little girl was, Emily was in uh, either second or third grade. It was elementary school. And during the pandemic, her school, like millions of others, kids in schools, they decided not to do a Valentine's card exchange because germs and pandemic and COVID-19. I have to wiggle my hands like that just saying. (laughs) So she was kind of upset because she really looked forward to Valentine's Day. And her mother tried to get her psyched up when she said, Mom, I still want to do a Valentine for everybody. And her mom thought, oh, that's sweet, Emily, but okay, you know, nobody, you're not gonna get not, one. You're not gonna get one. Yeah. We're not gonna do that, you know. Mom, I'm gonna do it. And so they argued, but our mom's concern was Emily's gonna make all these Valentines. Nobody's gonna get one back. And she's gonna be sorely disappointed. She's not gonna get any, you know? And so she let her do it because she thought, well, that's a servant's heart. Yeah. That's great. She makes all the I mean, it's like 25 Valentines mm-hmm. for her classmates. Bus comes home at three o'clock. Her mom's out there at the front door because she thought I better be there to console her with a hot fudge sundae or something, mm-hmm, you know? Yeah. And little Emily comes down the driveway saying, shaking her head, not one, not one, not one. And her mom's thinking, oh no, she didn't get one valentine. And she said, Emily, what do you mean? And she goes, mom, I didn't forget one person. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that this little eight-year-old kid was focusing on other people. Yeah. Few adults I know, including myself, once in a while, <laughs> could learn a lesson from that. So that's what we're trying. Forget the forget Prince Charming. We're not Cinderella. We're gonna do it and we're gonna teach our kids to do it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Tim, so much for walking through this, for challenging us with this
0: really important topic. May we be leading students who don't suffer from Cinderella syndrome like so many of their peers are are struggling with today. You heard Tim just share uh, our habitudes. We actually utilize these habitudes at schools, um, organizations all around the country and actually around the world, which is pretty awesome. Habitudes are simply images, Mm -hmm. as you saw, that form leadership habits and attitudes. So we use a picture, a metaphor, and a story to explain it an important life principle and just like drivers and passengers early birds and mockingbirds hosts and guests uh, we believe that these metaphors are powerful tools to communicate the most important stuff to the next generation if you're interested in finding out more you can head on over to growingleaders.com and uh, i would go to growingleaders.com sel because you can find out more about our habitudes for social and emotional learning program we have a middle school and a high school version of that and we would love for you to check that out once again that's growingleaders.com sel As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, that gets the word out about what we're doing here. You can also quite literally get the word out. Uh, If you found this podcast helpful, we invite you to share it with somebody that you know. Shoot an email or uh, pass it around on social media with somebody that you think may benefit from it. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We have people who send us ideas for podcasts or people we should interview. We love getting all of those podcasts at growingleaders.com. Well, Tim, thank you once again for leading us. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.